Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. Welcome. I might sing First along rule of Book Club guys. is you must always talk about Book Club. <laughs> Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Ooh, back again with what I believe is the 53rd episode of Book Club. We celebrated Book Club's book in a book anniversary feels like a hundred so we've done 50 uh, can you believe we've been at it a year uh yeah 100 that first book we read patty patty mcclown or whatever that wasn't name was. the first one was it was that the first book we did on book club powerful by patty mcclown yeah wow it didn't leave that powerful an impact on me because do you know remember. what actually some of it i can still remember well actually we've just recorded an episode of the always be hiring podcast I it. and actually i've quoted it in that podcast so that's a bit unfair but we have been at it a year so I guess the first thing to do is to thank all of you who listen. Thank you so much for listening to me and Pricey rant my, on. My only gripe about it is quite a lot of people listen to it. No one likes it, really, in the stream. Yeah. It's beginning to be, get a bit frustrating, really. Bit, bit more attention on social media, because we know there's a lot of you listening now. You we are, know. I, but what if somebody likes it, Jonathan? Will their boss think they're looking for a job? no we promise so hit if you like what you're listening to if you're enjoying it do hit the like and share button it really really helps us because i'm not joking a month ago i walked into the office and i had an agenda item in a meeting to discuss with lauren which was cam book club um and actually lauren beat me to it and said look at the numbers they've gone up and up and up and up and up and up and as a result we have committed to at least another six months to a year of it because it is going really, really well for us. So long may it continue. But we didn't know until we, until we had to do some pretty deep dive into all sorts of book club analytics podcast stuff. Um, but we did find out. So that's enough about us, because you don't want to hear about us. How have you been, Price? Are you all right? We just weren't going to talk about us. Let's know, talk about I'm just book. Minding the world up. So let's talk about Combo Prospects. So, so I see where I'm at with this book. So today we're going to go through chapters two and three. We are. And I'm not saying this to whine. The chapters are very long and there's a lot of writing on each page. And the little little letters. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's hard work reading it. I, I, for me, this book is okay. If it was a little bit more concise with the same information, I would actually say it was good. Okay. But you've got to read... Do, do you know what I mean? You've really got to sit and read a lot of it. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, we're going to get into it in a second. You can tell it's a salesman, not a writer. I, I, I've got a bit frustrated with chapter two and then I got really back into chapter three. And let's do that from now. So chapter two is called Earning the Right to Win. Opens up with a quote from Bruce Lee. I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Some people quote Confucius. And some quote Bruce Lee. So there you go. So I found this chapter, if I'm really, really honest, Mike, so what's I've, the chapter about? Come on, t- let's tell the listeners what the chapter. Tell you what the chapter is about. The chapter is about personal credibility, trust, and value. I think that's being generous. Do you? Yeah, I felt this chapter just didn't really deliver any value to me at all. <laughs> um, and okay. I was so fired up after chapter one. Because the funny thing about the book is, I've started doing things from the book. Me too. And that's why I'm frustrated with what's our man Tony. 
Me too, because actually chapter one got me really fired up, chapter, gave me some great chapter ideas. Two, chapter two is the same. You actually properly read it. I know you don't read do you it think, properly. Yeah. What, do you think I've missed out here? Do you think I need to reread it? I don't think it? you need to read it again, but I think I think if you read the head, the headlines, you know, i.e. I, the, the titles, that would be a good start. Foundations of Executive Engagement. Read that. It sort of says be credible. Do Sit in the CEO's corner. The Language of Leaders and, and Relevance Challenge. And it, it talks about um, staying high up in the food chain. Yeah, 100% right. Uh, the Paradox of Non-Hunger and Genuine Curiosity. Yeah, you know, again, yeah. he's, he's talking about you know, maybe commission it's me, breath. Maybe it's me being a bit burned out with all the sales books we've been doing. But I mean, you know... Because a lot of it's very repetitive A lot of a lot of the books we read. I don't um, think it's that well written. And my frustration is I started reading a book about prospecting and opportunity generation and now I've ended up in a book about general salesmanship but with nothing overwhelmingly specific I from I don't know about that, I disagree with you on that because actually this chapter is about credibility, blah-de-blah, blah, and then about, about certain well, how does it link? How does it link to prospecting this chapter? Because I think that this chapter is... Um, talking about how you're going to get through the door and how you but how you're not. going to get through it yeah i think it is so i just happen to be on page 80 all right friendship and relationship selling um and, he goes, and he's absolutely and he goes, right. blah, blah, blah. no one worth selling to is lonely and bored and looking for a new friend or salesperson <laughs> to come and tell us about the joys and wonders of their products oh i agree 100 percent true and i actually wrote in my notes bang on fair enough and, and what he's saying but, is but the rest of the thing is a bit Really? And what he's saying in that particular part of the chapter is nobody really cares about being your friends, particularly in an enterprise place. And I think he's also think allude, he's alluding to the fact that actually people grossly, enormously overestimate the value of the relationship they have or what I call false rapport with clients. I, I think it's more than that, actually. Sometimes when I take candidate feedback, I'll say, how did it go? And oh, the guy he's will such go, a nice guy. Well, not that. The guy will go... Yeah, well, we're in for an hour and three quarters, which was a good start. Yeah. And I feel like saying, no, no, it, it isn't a good start. If you're in for an hour and three quarters and you were talking about stuff that was relevant for an hour and three quarters, you've nailed it. I mean, you know my number one client. He and I can meet 15 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I can drive Brevity the length the of the country. Of and that's what this guy's talking about. Yeah, the point is, what? how often do we get that? Oh, yeah, I was in there for an hour what? and three quarters. And that demonstrates what? Well, when, I was, when I was a student, I started... You know, my first job was booking appointments for double glazing sales reps. Yeah. And, you know, you used to get, no, 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 maybe. Then every now and then you'd get one and you're on the phone thinking, oh, this is going, oh, no, it's not going great. I've spent a quarter of an hour talking to you because I'm the only person that's phoned you this week. Yeah, yeah, And this is a bit Well, like we've that. all seen that in Glengarry Glen Ross, haven't we? Oh, yeah, what's his name? Um, yeah, yeah. Where Shelley Levine goes out and he sells to the little old dears that buy off everybody but never actually order. Mm -hmm. and, so, I mean, and we've all got that we've all got a client everybody's got one that they can ring up and they can make themselves feel better about the world because they'll talk to you because yeah. they'll talk to you and they'll be nice to you and they won't be harsh bloody and they won't be an arsehole and that's what he's you know we've all got one here he goes the truth about trust and value I thought this, this is interesting um, uh, the speed of trust as Stephen Covey says and it's almost impossible to win a new client without the presence of trust I do agree with that. Agreed. Then he goes on, don't focus on analyst reports that place your company or solution in some kind of magic quadrant. But so many of our customers, so many of the people that we engage with do. 
Well, they take jobs on the basis of it. Correct. Customers don't really believe in those slides because all of your competitors marching with similar claims of market leadership or superiority. We're in the upper left, third, fourth quadrant of the second quadrant. I think Gartner. I think Gartner's just like the Emperor's New Clothes. Well, really. but everybody knows, you know, in reality, you pay for it. You pay to get on the Gartner Magic Quadrant. Of course you do. And then people have to buy the Gartner Magic Quadrant that you've paid to be in. It's the great blag of all blags is the whole Magic Quadrant thing. I yeah, think. exactly. Uh, he makes but, a point here. He says these values beat. So he goes, a big fat sales pipeline, non-hunger and curiosity, combined with a love of customers and enjoyment in making a difference prevents sales burnout. You can afford to focus on alignment rather than pressure for a close. These values beat negative attempts at Machiavellian manipulation or brute force tactics. So you know this is a bugbear for me. I, I, I just think, Mike, that there's this whole, oh, it's Machiavellian to manipulate the customer. It's Machiavellian, or, or or it's it's unethical to to do this. I, I think it's unethical to miss your target. No, I'm with Tony on that. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, hundred percent. But I think if the uh, listeners uh, are listening to you, they uh, will they will misinterpret what you yes. mean. Yes. So, and please, may I just caveat? Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about being dirty or underhand. Well, no, what you're not talking about is lying. Yeah. Uh, but at some point, uh, and I'd like to read a sales book where somebody says, being a pro is about doing whatever it takes to win. No, because you've got to be very careful with that. W within the... Within the Without sensible, lying. Yes. Within the sensible, ethical confines of society. No, I think the and Wolf's if that is The Wolf's book said that. Correct. Though. And if that's... Going out and using neuro-linguistic programming to give you a better understanding of the customer's needs than the next guy. Or or if that's, you know, this Mike Winnett filler, I'm absolutely pig sick of him on LinkedIn because he's going on, he's trying to expose sales tactics. Never heard of oh, him. he's an arsehole. Anyway, <laughs> what's wrong with using, a th it, it, there was one particular piece he put on LinkedIn about how, some of these sort of so-called entrepreneurs, as he calls them, one of them it, it, it uses um, the guys used a, used a three-time repeater. Trust me, uh, or so, so, sorry, um, you like me uh, are interested in purchasing this, and you like me, or by now you've probably realised this is a good idea. By now you've probably realised that uh, we've got the best products in the market. By now it's probably time to think about whether you should sign on that uh, dotted line. And he, he, he's going on about how manipulative that is. But is that manipulative? Because actually, is that not skillful? If somebody's yes. taken the time to I, But I that. don't think that's what he's referring to. It, in it is. That, that's his point. Reckon, yeah, and that's enough. what all the... And it's almost like it's not cool to, to be brilliant. I like this point. To succeed, you must focus on why a conversation matters rather than lead with what you do and how you do it. Bang on. 100% I thought it was very good that actually bang on absolutely bang on and then, and then it goes creating your own value narrative this is another point it's a good point but you don't underline much of this book actually is the problem I've got with it in the eyes of the buyer all sellers look pretty much the same I think he's true uh, absolutely I think he makes yeah. a very fair point you know he talks about hang on you may be thinking combo is about rapid levels of effective activity so how can I generate insight insights for my conversations quickly and on the fly you're right. Unless you're targeting large enterprises, you don't have the luxury of time for deep research when prospecting. 
That's why it's so important to work in industry verticals with a specialised domain area or set of business problems. It's also why you must position your insights in terms of a humble hypothesis of value rather than act like a challenger bull in the china shop. Fair point. Yes. You know, there's lots there's lots of very fair points in this chapter, but where I feel I'm, I'm at with the chapter is, I'm a bit like, so how does this relate to me getting more appointments? Fair enough. Page 95. He's obviously another one who isn't bothered about people having budget. Him and Keenan and all the rest of it, they're no, all happy on, together. on the contrary. Uh, well, ha- well, hang on a minute. If the buyer does not have committed funding, <clears throat> different from having a budget, that does not mean you should qualify out. Nicely written with lots of negatives, but um, that's what he's saying, I think. No, he's not saying that. Um, it, what really? he's saying, no, what he's saying is actually he really drives down the whole point of qualifying. If you go to page 96, uh, every salesperson must be able to answer the following three questions. One, why will this customer buy anything at all? Two, why will this customer buy from us? Three, what's our strategy to provide best value and lowest risk? Access to those with decision authority and economic power is the most important mandatory requirement. At a more granular level, these are the various qualification frameworks that help you decide whether to invest in an opportunity to pursue. And he actually gives a list of literally all the best ones and says, pick one and bloody use it. Anambant, Bamantaru, Faint, GPCT, Mandact, Medic, Nutcase, RSVP, Scotsman. Brilliant. Great. You know, um, he, he he he's really all over qualifying. There was next page. You said uh, power of listening. Power of listening. Yeah, absolutely. The top ten percent of formers only spoke one third as much as the bottom ninety percent. True. Yep. Hundred percent. It's true, and it and it genuinely debunks often what people believe is the great myth of salesmanship, isn't it? The whole concept of he's got gift of the gab, he'll be all right. Well, that's always said by somebody that's not that's not a salesperson, isn't it? Yeah, actually, the best ones are, are often quite introverted and they are genuinely empathic. I put the bottom of page 100, getting quite bored now. <laughs> Must have been getting quite bored. But do hang on, do hang in there, listeners, with this show, because actually chapter three really picks up. Um, so The book's not bad, you've just got to be willing to wade through lots of sort of treacle to get where you want to get. Bit treacly, isn't it? The smart operators avoid digital spamming and instead use proven old school methods accelerated by new cult, by new school so called social platforms to deliver improved leverage, scale and reach. Are we are we talking about this this bit here now? Social selling framework defined, page one oh three. Uh yeah. So I'll tell you what was really interesting here. He, he talks about doing research and social selling and different types of social selling and I've sort of got a few agreements and disagreements with this. So he said, social research will allow you to understand the precise moment when to strike, passively monitoring the leads in the top of your account. Oh, okay. And then he talks about social listening and monitoring. Now, I'm very nervous about this. Um, I think if you've got 50 target accounts with maybe 150 possible buying influences across that audience, being diligent with social listening and monitoring is, is quite possible and, and doable. Mm. I think anything more than that, I don't believe it is. And I think it's viciously time consuming. Yes, I do agree with that. And whilst Tony has himself been very clear about the concept of combo prospecting and not being a LinkedIn liver, somebody who is sat living in the feed, I think that I would take that. I'd be very careful with that if I was reading this book. Um, The amount of guys I think 
spend time doing what they think is social selling because they're social listening and pitching in on the conversation because somebody told them on a course on social selling. I've never told them on a course, they never went on one. I've got to say, personally, I don't think it makes much difference at all. It's a very small part of the mix and there are other much more powerful parts of the of the combo. And then he talks about social publishing, where he says, what you write and what you share shows people who you are, what you believe. Now, I, I have issues around this, not, you know, let's get it right. We are a content machine. Yeah, well, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, we're making content right now. We've just spent an hour before making content. We're, we're in the content business as much as we're in the recruitment business, and it does help, and it makes a big difference to the business. But not everybody can. Why? Um... It's the little things, right? So I was speaking to somebody the other day about this and they were saying, you know, I want to I want to do more social media and I want to make sure it's on brand, but marketing won't even let me have access to the logo. Mm. And, you know, my theory on that, which is shut, well, your, shut your mouth. What would Tony J. Hughes say? He'd say, shut your mouth, go on and... He'd, he'd say, shut your mouth, go on Upwork and get somebody to re-engineer your company's logo so you've just got your own version. Claim it back on expenses and get on with it and make some money. Um... So I think one, not everybody has the, the the leeway. I think not everybody has the skills as a writer. I not I don't think everybody is particularly good at creating content, and I don't think everybody has the. Not a lot of people have the true freedom, and I also think you've got to be very careful with social publishing because now a lot of what makes you good in social publishing, and I, I wonder when this book was written, um, a lot of what makes you good in social now is understanding algorithms, understanding the social media When platform. and how to post it. When, how, what the platforms like, what the platforms don't like, what the platforms well, do look at Bridget Hyacinth. She's just cracking the code, hasn't she? Bridget Hyacinth, Oleg Vishnopolsky, all they are doing is gaming the, the, the LinkedIn algorithm. It's mm. They're gaming the, the algorithm. Um, and not a lot of people truly get that. And so it's great. Yeah, go out, publish something on social. Publish something to what? Are you going to go and scream into the void? Because we spent quite, we spent a lot of time, particularly early on, screaming into the void. Because you do sometimes see posts from companies that I'm connected to people or whatever. I look at it, think that's a beautiful looking post. It's got two likes, two likes. I just think fifteen views, and it's like a beautiful post. Some person in marketing spent a whole day creating it. They've paid a marketing agency to create the thumbnail. There was a guy on, um, I don't know, I can't remember his name now, but he it somehow ended up in my feed. He'd done an advert for his job for that he was recruiting for. Looked beautiful. You know, absolutely beautiful. Walking through the office, following him, whatever. I looked on YouTube, it had 13 views. So I sent my note saying, this has cost you loads of money. It looks great and everything, but you've had 13 views. Yeah. I, I can get 100 in about three hours. What for? Oh, we're hiring. Well, I'm, I'm working on a job spec at the moment with a client. And he'd spent thousands uh, on that. Ridiculous. This, this particular guy. Uh, and again, the sort of social collaboration thing, yeah, great. So I, I, I'm all for it, and I get it. It is a powerful one-two punch that fills what, the pipeline. What page but you want? Go on. I, I'm, but I, I think that there has to be some caveats here. I'm going to pick something out, actually, which is 114, which I thought was absolutely spot on. Yeah. And interesting, we just talked about it with the always be hiring. Yeah, well, you easily can in this book, can't you? I'm taken to read every other page. A common (laughs) mistake in selling is to engage with the people you feel would be easiest to access 
and with whom you could carry the conversation. Yeah. Outsourced lead generation providers and inside uh, sales SDRs also suffer from the tendency to operate at mid-levels of the buying organisation. It goes on a little bit. But the point he's sort of making, to summarise him, is, tell you what, I want to th- you, you want to sell to, to chief execs, so what we're going to do is we're going to outsource the cold calling to a 22-year-old who's on £20,000 a year. Because they'll yeah. definitely be able to engage with chief execs. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very good point, that. The guy we were just talking to and always be hiring... I think he mentions, doesn't he, how much he paid his uh, inside reps? He was mentioning that at one point in his career, he had inside, he he had inside sales guys earning half a million dollars a year. And his point was, but they're engaging with chief execs. They're getting me appointments with the chief exec of, of Airbus. Of Daimler, he said, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Daimler and Airbus. So it's a good point, and t- Tony makes a fair point here. And I do, th- I do see that a lot, really, which is, I think the outward-facing bit of it often, from a company perspective... Is they using SDRs, inside yeah, in many, sales, whatever? In many whatever. respects, the whole world's on its head. Actually, the people who should be the most highly paid are the ones that get the appointments. Correct. They get better appointments. Actually. Well, and you'd get more talented people doing the SDR gigs. Yeah. Of course you would. You'd get the real talent. Yeah. But actually, we give the money to some guy that's already going out. The pre-sales is doing the demo. The company's half sold the brand because 80% of the sale is made before yeah. he walks through the door. And actually, the real value is added when some kid picked up the phone and pushed and chivied and ducked and dived and booked an appointment with somebody you had no right whatsoever to book an appointment with. I, I, I think picking up, the, I think breaking that entry point is the more skillful part of the job in some instances. Yeah, and, I, I, and, and well, I often say it, don't I? If you get me enough appointments, I'll be absolutely fine because yeah. I know I'll win. So we're on chapter three, Jonathan. I think, you, I think you're a bit fonder of this chapter than me by much, what you just said. Much, much more energised by chapter three because I felt like we went back in chapter three to talking about Getting appointments. You know what's interesting, listeners? This morning I walked in, I said to Johnny, I said, listen, I didn't realise I had to read chapter three. Can I just wing it and just make it up? And he went, no, you've got to read it. So I actually didn't <laughs> go to, the, I actually didn't go to the, gym. the gym and do legs. I actually read this chapter. And I've, I've, t- I've got bit. to tell you, Price, you read it quickly. It's you sm- you've absolutely it's, smashed it. You sound really clever. Is it? Yeah. Okay. All I right. like this. Every overnight success spent many years in quiet discipline to be ready for their moment in the spotlight. Okay, so there's a lot to talk about here. I've, I've highlighted an awful lot more here. So we're really getting into some nitty-gritty here now with some of this stuff. Um, uh, right, here you go. Once you've understood your buyer and built a value narrative to carry a conversation at senior level, and I think that's what Chapter 2 is all about, you then need a brand and network that empowers you. In addition to this, you need massive leverage created from using the right tools and scripted content to choreograph every move. Only birds and amateurs wing it. The very best salespeople instead execute repeatable winning combinations. Bang on that. Uh, and bang on, but very contrary to what a lot of people would say to us. Well, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. And then he starts talking about the combo, exploring combo for creating a powerful personal platform, which is one, a strong personal brand. Two, a network that empowers. Three, tools and templates that enable high performance. Later, we will cover the combo for knockout success with trigger events, referrals, customer advocacy. Finally, we'll cover the combo for the close. So we're really getting into things like setting agendas, creating trust and devoting yourself to commitment and leadership. But what he's really getting into in this chapter is you and the brand. And he actually references Michael Hyatt, whose book we covered only a couple of episodes ago. Or a book of of whose. And what he's talking about is a book that Hyatt wrote called Platform, which is about micro-marketing. He also recommends a book called The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Meerman Scott. I do not recommend that. 
I've read it. I thought it was rubbish. Okay. Um, so if you're listening, listeners, and you trust Johnny, don't listen, don't read that. There are millions of better books you can read on personal branding than that one. Okay. Um, uh, uh, yeah. And if anybody's interested, just hit me up and I'll give you some recommendations. Um, he said, essentially, your personal brand as a thought leader on social, especially LinkedIn, can start the process of building trust and setting the agenda on value before you utter a single word. You agree, Mike? You can't disagree with it. The question, the, 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 but the other question is, is, is how essential is it? Because let's look at it from a different angle, right? Because I know some grumpy guys who don't use LinkedIn who still sell a lot of stuff. For me, it's all about uh, t time and return. So per minute spent on social versus per minute spent on the phone, what's the biggest hit rate? The biggest hit rate is the phone, without any doubt. But the but is is that the phone doesn't give you any leverage. And yes. you've got to be very, very persistent with social. And then there's a tipping point. I think there is also a point that everybody's forgetting here, which is... Not everybody lives on social. No, but the majority does. So if you were playing percentage golf, you you, you would live on. You would hedge the fact that yeah, people for, would look for at example, social. a good example is if you looked at our demographic at Inward Revenue Consulting, they don't use Twitter. By and large, no. So 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 we don't back the Twitter horse because we play a percentage game. Yes, everybody's got to play a percentage game. But the problem that I think most normal people have, because those of you, who, you probably know this anyway, Johnny's a real geek when it comes to it, and I'm not. So actually, who would get social media more right, me or him? It who would knows? be him. Yeah. Well, it would definitely be you. I'm only geek on it because I've chosen but, to but geek out on it that, Johnny, is, and get good at it. We've got to say to people, can they follow this chapter and do it? You'll get a lot I out think of this. The, I think the answer is they won't be able to do it. I think it's too time precious. And I, that's what I don't like about what? this chapter here. There's too much work in this to be able to get to the tipping point of success needed in social media. I think if you what did What we know is, what we've learned is, you've got to be all in. 100%. And, if and you have to feed a content monster. And if you're all in, you can't write enough content for this, for this model to work. No, you're, a part, you're going to be a bit You have to outsource it. You can't do his social model well enough and his canvassing model, I don't think. And then when I read through it and I read through all the bits of the book, we're going to go through each individual port part. What I did think is, yeah, 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 not bad, but I think this, this chapter is just a book in itself. Oh, God, it's, this chapter is several books in itself. It, it's, a, it's a chapter that should take you into wanting to explore an awful lot more. Yeah, but, but, but I think both you and I will caveat that you could very easily go all in and knee deep into social selling mm. and really working your social leverage. And you could very easily wake up massively behind target quite quickly. But with a brilliant social presence. Yeah. So I think what it says is that companies should employ somebody to help the salesperson build their social presence. Or you've got to get good at doing it quickly. And, and you, there is an in-between point, but Mike and I are both going to caveat here. There's a, a, I mean, the, it, it's but, not easy. But I don't want to criticise his points because absolutely everything is right. Bang on. Do, um, you know, you what know, do your clients see? Do they see a Porsche driving, oh, quota-carrying, yeah. 
you make, know. make your LinkedIn profile shine as your personal brand website where the value you provide and the values by which you operate are front and center. Thank you. Next point, as Michael said, and this is a massive pet peeve for me, and, and it puts me off candidates. You know, we're talking about personal branding in the job market. Never mind your personal brand in front of your customers. Ensure your photo is a professionally friendly head and shoulders close up. It needs to be in focus and well lit. Always avoid high contrast backgrounds. Also avoid the Zoolander blue steel look, glamour shots, power picks, wedding shots, mug shots. Uh, the one I can't stand is I, I'm, I just finished a marathon. Really annoys me that. Why? Ah, it just is that because you haven't done one? It just annoys me. I know just what you that, mean, though. It's just a, I, don't, no. I don't like them. I don't like you know people doing hobbies, yes. playing golf on a football pitch. You know, whatever. Just have a professional headshot. It's your personal brand. Well, fresh headshot. You can take a good picture with an iPhone. Yes. Use a white wall and an iPhone. Stand and in your slightly no. overexpose it. Use the slightly overexpose your slider. Stand but shoulders facing forward. Do you know what, Mike? We should do a little LinkedIn video on how to not look like an arsehole on LinkedIn. Yes, that'd be a good one, that, Lauren. Actually, I think we should do that, Lauren. She's just bookmarked it. Thanks, Lauren. Because it's not hard. People get it so wrong. Oh, the God. people with, you know, it's the, the Zoolander one is right. People looking off into the distance with the sunglasses on. And, the, and then they wonder why the customers don't want to buy off them. Well, some customers do say, so, yeah, my LinkedIn picture's fine. People buy off me. It's like saying, yeah, but people buy a lot more from you. If you actually look like a business professional. If you actually look like business. a normal person. You know, it's the little things. Get a good summary. He's so right, is Tony Hughes here. References, testimonials. You know, Mike's got over 100 testimonials. I've got 130 now. 130, you know, and you really work that. Um, and then he starts about, I do not advocate salespeople write content during business hours. Oh, so that exact hours. thing? Yeah. You know, I like that. He's bang right, and, he, and it harks back to what we just talked about about how easy it would be to uh, really lose hemorrhage time in here. And then he says, and then he talks about, uh, let's cover posts first, because anyone can do this, even if you have poor writing skills. Anytime you come across content that will be appreciated by your customers, simply click the Twitter share button on that contents page or buffer icon in your browser. Bingo, it's queued and ready to go. I'm going to tell you now, readers and listeners, um, if you read Jab, 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 Right Hook three or four years ago, Gary Vaynerchuk would tell you that you should be uh, what he referred to as DJing other people's content. Um, I think that is now an extraordinarily dangerous strategy. Um, no one cares. So it's interesting, actually. Somehow in my And you are simply creating noise. Do not do it. So somehow in my network, I don't know I'm connected to him, and, and I'm disconnected afterwards, actually, because he wasn't relevant to me. But there's somebody in the, in the procurement department of a manufacturing company wanted a process manufacturing piece of software. Right. And he put, does anybody know any decent process manufacturing software or whatever you put? So I commented on it. I put shared to my network. And then I disconnected. And then I put a note to this guy saying, you know, blah de blah uh, Do you get any good stuff out of it? He said, yeah. He said it was really, really helpful. But it's helped me a load that because I had a load of ERP sales guys looking at my profile, looking at that post. And that was actually the power of networking because that was good second. Yeah. That, well, that you know, I, I've been contacted by somebody today who's asked me a question about, do you know any organisations that are big in healthcare RFID? And I've said to the individual, yes, I do. And they said, you've got any names for me? I've got a really good lead for someone. Right. But it was somebody thinking about, crikey, I'm just at an appointment here. I've got a great lead for somebody. 
Yeah, yeah. Who do I give it to? So what do you make of this And thing? that's better than reconstituting some article from The Economist. I've tried it, I've been there, it doesn't work. So, so, so I, I got this one, actually. I underlined it for you, really. Your goal is seen... Your goal is to be seen as an aggregator of high-quality, relevant content. No. Completely old hat. Uh, is it? Because I, I, I outlined that. I thought that sounded quite good, I thought. No. But I put your initials next like to it. Like I say, if you'd read Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk four years ago, yeah, it's a great idea. Everybody's doing it. It, it, it couldn't be... If anything, it's an, an inverse differentiator. Oh, really? I, I believe I would not advise it. Uh, and I think it, at the point at which you've probably written this book, it was probably a very powerful tool. Right now, I think you've got to be doing something much cooler at a social level. I'll tell you what, it taught me a line in recruitment that I've not heard. What's that? And I just thought it was beautiful, actually. Oh, I love that little script. I define value by how few CVs I send. Love that. And I'll invest the time to understand. I mean, that is actually what I do. I can't believe I've never said that. Love that. I actually, Very elegant, that. I actually highlighted the whole paragraph. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a beauty. And I really liked that where, it, you know, he's talking about just having the, those little bits of... Well, he talks about writing... Ob I like that, where he talks about um, writing articles that in reality are effectively objection handles. Mm, mm, mm. I thought it was beautiful, that, yeah. So what really he's talking good. about here, listeners, is he's saying, if you are going to write some content, maybe some LinkedIn articles, why not pick the top 10 objections that you get and write, in many respects, the rebuttal to those objections as pieces of thought leadership, which I thought was great. And he gives an example, actually, of a recruitment client he worked with that was very, very elegant indeed, and I really, really did like that. Um, and then uh, he's got here... Uh, yeah, he mentioned... Again, he mentions David Meerman Scott's New Rules of Marketing and PR. I hated that book. Fair um, enough. Then we talk about nurturing a network that enables you to thrive... Great stuff, this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did like it. Some good practical stuff that people won't have thought of, I think. Uh, you know, buyers are five times more likely to engage if the outreach is through a mutual connection. And he says 5,000 strangers are more powerful than 500 power brokers uh, because of the millions of mutual connections they unlock in your prospect base. He does know how to use LinkedIn Navigator, this guy. Yeah, he does. And he's all over Nav. Yeah. And I really like the fact, one of the things he talks about a lot in both these chapters is... He, he says, talk to a recruiter, they'll tell you how to use Boolean searching um, and how to use LinkedIn for Boolean searching. Now, you and it I does have take a your head getting round a bit. You and I have a love-hate relationship with Boolean searching, don't we? But we really have worked hard to get good at it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's tough on LinkedIn, Boolean searching. Partially, a guy phoned me up a while ago and I, and I, and I couldn't help him because of, of his background, not because he wasn't a salesman, basically. And uh, I, I explained to him I said, think of LinkedIn as being Google in as much as it's a search engine for uh, contacts that you want to reach out to. Yeah. If those contacts haven't SEO'd themselves, they will not get found. And no. I think a lot of people don't SEO themselves well enough in LinkedIn to be found. Now, that's, I don't know whereabouts it is, but further on, he's talking about what your title should be in LinkedIn. Have yeah. you read that bit? I think he's completely wrong about that, actually. Um, I'll tell you why. Go on. Because let's say I'm buying a piece of ERP software uh, and, I, and I happen to know how to use LinkedIn, which is unlikely. So I put in, uh, I want a really old one, so I put in info. Uh, <laughs> I only say that because info don't use me. But um, so, so I put in, you know, different software makes. I'm going to search by title. Right. So I think you've got to put what your title is 
because I think that if you're going to use LinkedIn in that way, you've got to think about how people are going to search for you. So I think if they're searching on keyword and title, they're not going to have some obscure title like the ones he reads. Possibly not, no. Well, definitely not. Okay. That's not how LinkedIn works. So I don't think you should do it how he describes, actually. I think okay. your title should be sales exec, client exec, or whatever, so people can actually find you. Rather than... I help, I help companies yeah, revolutionise their digitize business process. Because actually, that because then and he's, saying, he's talking about putting that in the title. I don't but that's my that. point about studying the algorithm and becoming a student of the system itself. Yes, I get your point. Um, which is, you know, what what most people don't understand is LinkedIn change their algorithm all the time. They change their algorithm as to who shows up and searches better. One day. They change their algorithm as to what does and doesn't constitute good content. So one day, what you think is great content and is getting shared all over the network could then fall upon the deafest of ears the next day because actually some guy back at LinkedIn has said, we don't like that and we're changing the algorithm. In the same way that Facebook changed the algorithm as to what does and doesn't get shown in your Facebook feed. So... You, you're right, Mikey. You know, in the book, he's recommending that you should do that with your with with your, um, with your title, Wrong with your title, or with the intro part of your uh, LinkedIn profile. I think more's the point. Actually, invest in developing an understanding of what is and isn't working in LinkedIn as a system and a platform. That would that's the best investment of your time. Because actually, no one single strategy is a killer strategy in LinkedIn. Because whatever you pick up as a single killer strategy today will be killed by LinkedIn tomorrow, the moment they realise it's everybody's killer bloody strategy. And that's, I would say, been one of the key lessons, wouldn't you say, Lauren, that we've learned over uh, the last year as a business is uh, nothing is permanent at a strategic level either in LinkedIn or any other social platform. Fair enough. Yeah, and then he talks about tools, which is really useful. Getting people thinking about, are you using the right kit? Um, and then you're going to get lots of people... I, I think you oh. skipped over a little bit, actually, on page 132. What if I miss, Mike? Well, I, I'm, I'm rewording, I'm you know, paraphrasing him a little bit here. Um, but but he makes a point about sending emails and email confirmation and LinkedIn connections, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and part of his point is, he said, once you identify a message that is authentically you, hammer it relentlessly for maximum effort. I think he's right with that. You know, in the old, you know, when we first sort of started in Revenue, we would talk about test and measuring different responses. I think there's a, there's an email confirmation style that works the best for you or an in-mail style that works for the best yeah. for you or, or a prospecting email what he's saying is use that as a script or a template. Met, test and measure. He's a hundred percent right. And test and he then measure. goes on. I, can't, I was a bit surprised by this, really. He goes, Lee Bartlett in the United Kingdom crafted one of the world's most concise, efficient scripts ever. I thought it was rubbish. Go on, what was the script? Just remind he says, me. Body, Lauren, Lauren, this isn't actually you. This is in the book. He says, Lauren, <laughs> I have a product that's very relevant to your work. Do you mind if I tell you a bit about it? Nice close question. We help X, Y, Z companies achieve in certain amount measurable growth. When's a good time to talk? I mean, I just thought it was rubbish. <laughs> Can't believe he even quoted it. Yeah. Anyway, selecting the right enablement tools. This is a good bit. Liked it. Yeah, I did. Because it's getting people... One of the, And again, you know, 
just harking back to Michael Hyatt, one of the things he talked about, about being prepared to bin a tool and use a better one, particularly in this world of SARS, mm, I, I think mm, is mm. very powerful. Mm. There are some immense, immense bits of kit out there. I know if, God forbid, I had to go and work for the man tomorrow, I, I, I know that within a month I'd be having an argument with my new sales manager over the fact that I was claiming expenses on certain bits of, t of software. Yeah. I know I would. And, and when they said, you can't use it, I'd say, listen, mate, here's how this is going to work. Back and it'll sack me. Intelligent phone activity is the most powerful form of engagement because so many salespeople have stopped dialing and have become passive screen jockeys. Woohoo! Yeah, well yeah. said. Well said. Well said, Tony. The most important thing about the tools is you must invest the time and energy in learning how to use them effectively. Yeah. I think he's 100% right with that. I'm a big fan, as you know, Jonathan. I'm sort of stingy, really, with stuff. I, I, I won't swap a camera until I, until I know how to use every single function on it. Oh, completely. And I think he's right about this as well. I think there's a lot of people will whine about stuff, and actually they don't use it. I mean, let's get right. We're having a bit of a, an epiphany with the Microsoft suite of products at the minute, aren't we? RTFI, Mike. What's that? Read fucking instructions. Yeah, 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 100%. RTFI. It's amazing what... It's a bit like cameras, you know. I've got a lovely Sony camera. I've got a lovely Fuji camera. It's amazing what your camera will do if you actually sit down and read the manual. Oh, it's incredible. It's yeah. mind-blowing. I've, some, got of a G some of the I've tools got, are I've got a G16 that I bought about five years ago. Yeah. And I, and I take the manual on holiday with me. And you're still finding I'm, I'm things out. I'm always going, Mike, are you reading a camera manual? Yeah, but you're still yes, finding I'm. things out. And it's the same with a lot of these applications where you sat and go, oh, I didn't know to do that. Well, somebody gave me a lesson on Excel recently, like a mate of mine is the, like, this mega VC guy. Oh, Excel's like the tool of all it's tools. It's incredible. I, thought, I just thought you just filled in the boxes. No, you don't. it's the tool of all tools. Anyway, he goes on about phone, phone messages. It goes, it staggers me when I call someone and their voicemail just goes beep. Simple or, things. I mean, how right is the guy? Yeah, and then, you, and, then, and then there's the opposite of that, where you hear people, hello, it's so-and-so, so-and-so. I like the one where they change it every day. I mean, I can't bother to do it. So but, much respect for that. I mean, I can't bother to do it. But. I have not... You know, I rate myself on a personal discipline and, 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 and energy level, but the energy and the discipline to get up in the morning and change your voicemail every day, wow. And every but day. I'll tell you what, I think it's an immense personal branding exercise. But, that, but then it, I get the ones that frustrate me a little bit, let's say, where, yeah, I'm on holiday, blah, blah, and it's like two weeks after they came back. Yeah. And you think, oh, come on. Come on, mate, wake up. Yeah. You're still if I old, was a customer of yours, you're still an old if I day, was you one can't. of your customers, I'd just think you're a total loser. Well, I don't know about that. But yeah, it, you would. It would, think, it, would oh, knock a, it would knock a 1% off my liking of you. It chips, away at, it chips away at the trust. Of course it does, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and conversely, the whole, today is the 1st of July, I'll be in a series of meetings between 11 and 1, 2 and 4, and 5 and 7 p.m. And you're like, okay. Top guy. <laughs> right, okay. You don't leave a message, because you think, well... Fair enough. Yeah, Absolutely. So it goes on a little bit, page 137. You've got to work with the machine of your own organisation to feed your pipeline with opportunities that can help you transact to keep the wolf from the door. That was great. And then he goes on, he says, and we're in nurturing the machine that feeds leads. Your senior company executives or board members who have quality relationships and who could introduce you. You know, I've never done that. And obviously I don't work in that environment now where anybody else can get many leverage. But I would imagine there's lots and lots of the sales guys out there who are listening to this who have got chief execs, MDs, whatever, that could get them into accounts. And I bet they haven't even asked. I bet they haven't gone, come on, boss, what no, can you get me into? To, they'll be embarrassed to ask. They haven't gone, come on, boss, what can you get me into? Yeah, but imagine that. How many, how many, 
leaders would say, you are. I think a lot. I think a lot. I think a lot would do it. I think a lot would. I think a lot wouldn't. Yeah, possibly. It says here, page. You seem to have stopped reading the book. Have you finished your well, book? I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, I've not got I'm a lo- chapter four here. Dude. I've got loads left here. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I like I'm, this. I'm already on my yoga mat here now. Page one three eight. Um, I, he says, create a business plan for your own success. Like re- that. Oh, yeah. That is so right. 100%. I, I've actually highlighted that cha- that page as well. Analyze your territory, the suitability, market fit for what you sell, the competition, the resources available to you, and create a plan in partnership with your sales manager and marketing team. And this is the most important bit. Work the numbers backwards from your sales target to average deal size to number of deals required to Love number of selling days available. This tells you how many deals you need to do in a week or month to achieve target. Do you know I actually made a note in Asana to sit down and do that exercise? Well, it's 100% right. I, I genuinely made a note. I threw that straight into my tasks list to look at at some point and schedule time to do it. Then he says, then calculate the number of qualified pipeline opportunities required based on your proven conversion ratio. You will then need somewhere between two and five times the sales target and qualified opportunities. Then calculate how much prospecting activity is required per day to achieve this in terms of emails sent, phone calls made, and live conversations. That's made. much more, that's the best bit of the chapter. Had with real That's much more important than now people realise. Now you realize. know how much prospect, that's the gold. Do you know what's That's a, the gold in this chapter. Correct. You know, it's interesting. When I meet a client, I say, what's the target? What's the order? Of-? And I can see their eyes glazing over a little bit. And I say, no, 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 we're not glazing over this bit. This is important. I want to understand it. And very often, not very often, 50% of the time, I'll go, right, so nobody's ever going to hit your target. And they go, what do you mean? So, well, actually... Because actually the client themselves haven't actually done the maths. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so what you're telling me is somebody needs to do 25 deals next year, but the average sales cycle is seven months. How does that work? How are they going to hit 140 grand OTE? Oh, um, well, I, I don't know, Mike. Well, why have you told me it's 140K? And they go, oh, I just, I don't know, because it is. <laughs> and you think, right. Because it is, they've just got to find the money from somewhere. But, but that's part of the problem of why they don't hire right. Yeah. Because the job itself was set up badly in the first place. Always going to fail, yeah. Absolutely. Then we go on to account-based everything, which I think... Um, and by the way, the bit we've just been speaking about, I could have talked about that for an hour. Yeah. Um, account-based everything is another one that whines because the patch you got wasn't very good. <laughs> but the more I hear it, the more I wonder whether that's true. What's that? These people whining about getting a bad patch. Well, we talked about that, I think, last week. We did, yeah. Was it last week we talked I about I would have that? disagreed with it, though. Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm I wrong. do really think sometimes people just get shitty territories. Do you reckon? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Particularly in those big enterprise sales jobs. Now, page 144, he goes, body by goes, the problem is that junior sellers get fobbed off or delegated down. So the idea that appointment setters who have never been on the phone or written unique value propositions will land meeting with C-level decision makers is high risk. That's what I was talking about before. He's absolutely Bang 100% right. right. 100% right. right. And then he goes, it goes on a bit and it goes, Skeptical C-level buyers are hard to coax out the corner office, but they are the most powerful and rewarding to pursue. Got to tell you, as long as I have been an IT sales recruiter, the hardest people to get to are always always the best customers. So you can't hide from me. If you're listening to this and you think, oh, for God's sake, Price is calling me again, I'll call you. Because the more you don't answer the phone, the more I think you're worth speaking to. Yeah. Uh, The the ones that are surrounded by gatekeepers whose mobile number isn't in any of the... Uh, in Lucia or whatever. Lucia or Zoom. Zoom info. The ones who you have to be cunning. The ones where you have to ring up a, a colleague of 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 a colleague until somebody gives you that mobile number. They're the ones that are worth going after. 100%. Because when you get through to them, no one else has got through to them and it's easy peasy lemon squeezy from there. Correct, on correct. Because they're not used to getting cold calls. So anyway, so the book, right, 
It's a good book. It's just, it's just, yeah, just I, not concise enough for me. And, and, and do listeners take into account the fact, you know, I've been grumpy about chapter two here. Uh, I'm grumpy about it because I'm on a bit of a deadline to read the book. So I, I'm under pressure to read the book. I'm on a deadline to read the book. And it was scorching hot on Saturday. And I'm walking with the dog listening to the audio. Oh, listen, I read the, I read the book instead of going to the gymnasium yeah. today. Uh, so I didn't enjoy it perhaps as much. It was 30 degrees. I was out with the dog. I was sweating buckets. Um, so it wasn't quite how I would have hoped it would have been. And because of that, I've pasted it a little bit. Still a lot of useful information. Chapter three, though, does pick up. There's some good takeouts. serious gold in chapter three. The, the thing about the conversion rates from calls through to target. And some of the stuff about LinkedIn, you know, the fact that he's talking about that and getting people just yes, is it one of the first deeply. people that's properly addressed it in the books that we've read? Yes, at a more micro level, I think the real takeaway from that is not necessarily the actions that he's advising, but, but the think about it. The importance of applying thought and some smarts to how you are perceived online. Our experience as recruiters, when working with people that we meet from an outside view is so few people give it a thought so some really good stuff in there so next week we're on chapter four aren't we four I and five remember. yeah next we week finishing we're finishing the book off and then the week after tony himself is on the show to answer your questions if anybody wants to ring in just hit us up on linkedin you're more than welcome to join us on the show and ask tony some questions yourselves failing that we'll see you next week big love